So how, how have you been? How has the Nigerian political um, space been? <laughs> when you feel of and all that, all that has been happening and going on the primaries and and the political. Well, it's been disappointing mm. because I may believe in respecting diversity mm. because Nigeria is obviously a made up of over 300 ethnic groups. And when you're leading a diverse group of people, it's important that you, you give all ethnic groups the sense that they matter to this union. Now, when the British created, or when the British gave us our independence, they recognized diversity. They met with all the leaders of the various ethnic groups in Nigeria. And we designed a federal system of government that gave all the regions sufficient power to manage their own affairs because they understood that we were diverse and that system created a sense of fairness so you kept about i think it was about 50 percent of your resources were kept in the local area and you contributed the other 50 percent to the center and that money was shared based on need mm. since the military came into effect and under this current constitution that wasn't created by the people it was this a military constitution it's basically almost 100% of the resources are kept by the federal government. The Niger Delta only gets 13%, and the government holds 87% of their resources. The same applies across the country. The government holds the lion's share. And what that means is power is now concentrated at the center. So you have a board of directors running the country, but the board does not reflect the shareholders. Because in any normal company, the largest shareholder should have the largest seat on the board. But in Nigeria, it's the other way around. So the Niger Delta contributes, let's say, let me just pull a number, let's say 60% of Nigeria's income. But on the board of governors of Nigeria, Niger Delta is not represented by 60%. Rather, a state like, I don't know, let me just, Katsina, for example, has more representation at the board than the uh, Niger Delta state. So that, that's the background. And what I'm saying is the Southeast or the Igbo people of Nigeria, for example, are by most accounts, they're the wealthiest people in Nigeria. They do the most business. They contribute the most in terms of taxes from their businesses to the federal government. And it's their money that is being used to run the country. But yet they have the least representation on the board of directors of Nigeria. The president is not Igbo, the vice president is not Igbo, the speaker of the house is not Igbo, the senate president is not Igbo, the chief justice of the federation is not Igbo. In fact, you'd have to dig deep to find who, who is the most senior Southeasterner in, on the board of Nigeria. Nobody can even think. Maybe the, the foreign minister. The foreign minister is... is, is, is uh, He was appointed. Not yes, he was appointed. Yeah. Yes, so Jeffrey Oyema. So for me, I thought PDP and the APC would correct this anomaly by nominating a Southeastern candidate, but they haven't done that. And Buhari has already divided the country with his mm -hmm. divisive rhetoric, talking about 97% versus 5%, the way he's basically shunned the Southeast, the way he's treated banditry and terrorism with laxity, but at the same time threatening IPOB and other movements in the South. So I'm generally concerned about the state of Nigeria's politics. That's the, that's the 
long answer to your question. Apologies for talking for no, too no, long. No, 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 no. It's, 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 I mean, it's, it's a good answer. There are a lot of things to, to talk about from that. Uh, let's avoid Buhari for now. Um, but just thinking about the whole Southeast evil thing and how PDP and APC um, didn't, in the end of the whole primaries, you know, nominates an evil man. I mean, especially for PDP, um, definitely Peter Obi has been pulling a lot of weights. Some people would see would say rather that it's only online, but I, I don't believe so. But why do you think sort of the PDP didn't cash in on the fact that, you know, Peter Obi is apparently at least um, is someone that's, you know, a lot of people are making noise. Why do you think the PDP just ignored that and decided to go on with an article that, I mean, even if I had a gun in my head, personally, I would never look for him. Well, thank you for that question. It's, I think if, uh, people who follow me on Twitter, there's something I say a lot. I'm sounding like a broken record, but I often say the Nigerian elite class are duplicitous people. And that's the answer to the question. So many years ago, even before, I think this was just after the 2019 election, a few people who I know within the PDP, they told me already, they said, look, in 2023, the PDP is going to produce another northerner as their candidate. And I said, why is that? He said, the person, the people said, well, because they think or they believe that if the PDP picks a northerner, and the APC picks a southerner that most people in the north will still vote for the PDP's candidate because he's a northerner. Mm. And then with the PDP's southern base, i.e. the southeast and south-south and parts of the southwest, they will then be able to defeat the APC. So they were basically calculating that somehow bigotry somewhere up north combined with the docility of the PDP Southern base will give them the election. And I, I told him at the time that you cannot be basically trying to win an election relying on or hoping that one side will be bigoted and the other side will be docile. That, that, that doesn't make sense as your calculation. But this, the, they said they, they think it will work. And I thought, well, you people are entitled to do whatever you want to do. Now, here comes the problem. The problem comes because ordinary Nigerians are now saying, look, PDP, you've always talked about zoning. It is now the turn of the Southeast to provide a candidate. But instead of the PDP just coming clean and say, okay, look, we've done our polling information. We don't believe that the country will vote for an Igbo man. We believe that if you present a northerner, the North will support him. And you guys in the South will probably back us because we are your loyal base. Instead of doing that, they began to gaslight the voters by telling them that somehow zoning doesn't matter that you cannot zone unless you're in power, that there's no history of any country zoning when the parties are in power. Meanwhile, in 2019, they were not in power and they zoned it to the north. So the summary of the point is they had always calculated that they needed the northerner to win because they were hoping to take advantage of the fact that the APC would zone it south. And I don't know if you've seen a few other people talking about this on Twitter. Basically, right from 2015, Atiku and Tinubu saw that their only route to the presidency was to somehow get Jonathan out, put in a Buhari, and then after a Buhari, try again to get into office. Mm -hmm. So this has always been a game plan. 
And for Atiku, arguing for zoning then was just a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Atiku does not believe in zoning. It's whatever gets him the presidency that he believes in. Same thing with Tinubu. Tinubu too is determined by power to become president. So we're focused on the PDP. So I say, yes, so Atiku's lifelong goal has, has to become president. And whatever it takes is what he would do to get to the office. Before we talk, yeah, before we talk about Tinubu and Atiku, do you believe that? Do you believe the idea that Nigeria wouldn't vote an Igbo man, and if so, why? Or do you at least believe that there are, there are those who wouldn't vote for a man, no matter how qualified he is, or you know, competent, as long as he's not an Igbo man, as far as long as he is an Igbo man, they wouldn't vote for him. I don't believe that because Nigeria, yes, Nigeria is an there's a lot of ethnic mutual hostility in Nigeria. That is true. But Peter Obi is genuinely popular. And Nigerians across the country like him. All that it takes to win an election is for the people of influence to get behind you. There was no, Obasanjo had no chance of winning the elections in 1999 because even the Southwest did not want him. But the elites from the other parts of the country put their money and their voices behind him. If an Atiku, if a Saraki, if an Obasanjo, if a Babangida, if all the strong men in the PDP gather around Peter Obi, lift his hand up and say, this is the man that we want to be president, people will get behind it. So yes, there is obviously anti-Ibo hatred in the country. That is true. There's, there's a, Basically, the Ibos are the number one uh, I think hated that ethnic group in Nigeria, which is sad. But I still believe that if the right people got behind Peter Obi or any, any Igbo man, they would win the elections. Some people would say that's because Igbos are not united. Does that <laughs> do, you, do you agree with that? I mean, they would say, um, for for instance, um, was it Onye Kuzi tweeted that he wouldn't vote for a Rogers? Um, simply because, you know, he's a Rochester and any right-thinking person wouldn't want a Rochester to be Nigerian president. And so if you had a Rochester and Shea Makinde on, on the ballot, I mean, I'm an Igbo man, I would vote for Shea Makinde. And people would say, yeah, you see, you are going against your own Igbo program. And so you guys are not united. Like, I, I, I get it, but I mean, most Igbos I speak, I speak to speak with, I don't know. It's a city, they're actually the ones who really want Nigeria to work. And so when you're looking at who to vote, it's not, it's not primarily about the tribe. It's more of, okay, who is the first person for the job? But I speak to people in the North or from the North, most not all, would say, you know, Northern has always want to be in power. And so even if it's a cow coming up against a Peter Obi, they would rather go for the cow as long as the cow is from the North. I don't know if you see it somewhere I do. No, I, I disagree. Okay. Because there's this thing they, they say on Twitter, they call it gaslighting. Exactly. And my, the Nigerian culture or the Nigerian political culture has become so expert at gaslighting that we don't even see things clearly anymore. So I'll give you an example. Even in the North, when the PDP zoned the presidency to the North in 2007, after Abbasanjo's tenure, 
most of the candidates, there was Babangida who was interested, there was Aliyu Gusau who was interested, there was Yaradwa who was interested, there was Buba Marwa who was interested. These were all northerners, and they fought it out to try to get the ticket. But Nigeria has so gaslighted the minds of all of us that when we see northern politicians battling for one ticket, nothing registers in our minds. Now, in the southwest, Tinubu and his protege, Oshibajo, and other protege, Fayemi, were all battling for the same ticket. Fayemi refused to step down. Tunde Bakere, who is also a Yoruba man, refused to step down. I mean, sorry, um, Oshibanjo refused to step yeah. down, but Fayemi at the end stepped down. So when you, you see that even in the Southwest, there was no unity, but it doesn't register anything in your mind. You just think, well, these are politicians battling for ticket. Yeah. When Obasanjo was contesting in 1999, Olufalaye was the candidate of the Nadeko wing, and they were all then in the AD. Nobody stood down for, for nobody. In fact, Bolaige got upset. And one of the reasons why Bolaige fell out with the AD and Nadeko movement was because Bolaige wanted that ticket and Falaye got it. But Falaye slugged it out with Obasanjo. Nobody stepped down for anybody. But it didn't register anything in the Nigerian mind. We just said those are two politicians fighting for a ticket. But when you come to the Southeast, when Peter Obi steps forward, and maybe, for example, Pius Aim, Senate, former Secretary of Government and former Senate President, yeah. once Pius Aim also steps forward for the same ticket, something clicks in the Nigerian mind. And the Nigerian man says, these Igbos mm -hmm. always seem to be fighting with each other. They don't seem to unite. But when you step back and look at Nigeria, ask yourself, which, which ethnic group doesn't fight about the ticket? I mean, the Emmy of Kano who was deposed, the former Emmy of Kano who was deposed, Lamido Sanusi. Yeah. When he got the ticket in the first place, he, he was fighting with his own cousin mm -hmm. because his cousin thought he should be the Emir. And when Sanusi got to the, the cousin went into exile and left Kano. And the cousin has refused, has, has not reconciled with him since then. When Sanusi was removed, it was his other cousin who was now the new Emir. There's bad blood between them. Even Buhari. Buhari, who is fighting Dasuki, uh, who detained Dasuki. Most Nigerians don't know this, but Dasuki's sister is married to Mamandaura. So Mamandaura's only wife is Dasuki's sister. So Mamandaura is Buhari's uncle. So it was in-laws fighting each other when Dasuki and Buhari were fighting, all in-laws, relatives. But nobody ever says... Hausas or Fulani cannot unite, or Yorubas cannot unite. But once it's Igbo, yeah. something within the Nigerian psyche gets triggered, and they say Igbos cannot unite. So that's what I mean by the, the latent bigotry against the Igbo that makes us see them in a different light mm -hmm. from the rest of the country, even when they do things that we all do. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But were you surprised by, you know, supposed intellectuals like Fireman stepping down for Tinubu? Well, no. Okay. I used to be surprised many, I, I used to follow Fireman mm -hmm. 
because I thought he was a politician of integrity and someone who was straightforward. And he obviously, he studied at King's, King's College London, which is also where I studied law. So I used to look up to him as someone who was a sort of decent type politician. But from the moment he began to campaign for Buhari, helped to basically lie on this man's behalf, uh, obfuscated doing NSARS and all the things he did. I just realized that, okay, this is just a, 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 a politician who speaks the Queen's English, but is just as duplicitous as all of them. So I wasn't surprised that he stepped down for Tinubu. They all know Tinubu is not well. I mean, you've seen him on TV shaking all the time. Yeah. He can't even complete sentences. But in, in Nigeria, the as I say, the elite class are duplicitous. So all they're really interested in is how can they access power? And if, if voting for a pig will give them access to power, they'll vote for a pig, they'll step down for a pig. So I, it, it, I'm not surprised in that sense. But, but why not? Why not? I mean, I, I completely, um, I, would, I wouldn't support anyone or anything that comes with an APC. That's my personal bias. And even if Shibanjo did win the ticket, I still wouldn't vote for him if I were to vote. But well, I think we both agree that an Shibanjo presidency would be better than Itinibu, right? I, well, I, mean, I don't know. Okay. I, I, I generally don't, because the more I'm getting older, yeah. uh, the more I, I think more in, I try to think in an intellectually straight line mm -hmm. rather than make assumptions. I, I, I act based on the evidence in front of me, not what I, I, I hope or assume will happen. Now, the evidence in front of me is that Professor Shibajo has degrees from the London School of Economics. He's a senior advocate of Nigeria. He speaks well. Mm. But I can also see that he has used his incredible talents to lie, deceive, and obfuscate on behalf of Buhari. In fact, he's basically sacrificed the lives of ordinary Nigerians because after all that happened during Buhari's first term, mm. the illegal removal of a chief judge the raiding of judges' houses, the raiding of the, 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 the murder of innocent Shiites in Kaduna and in Abuja, then the greatest crime of all, the economic devastation. Basically, the number of people who lost their jobs because of the Buhari recession was more than the number of people who lost their jobs during the Great Depression in America. So what Nigeria is facing is an economic catastrophe. The media is not documenting it, but there was there was a point where that bridge connecting, uh, I think, uh, the islands and mainland in Lagos, there was a point where tons of people were jumping off that bridge to commit suicide because of their financial dire straits. So for you to sit in that government, it tells me a lot about your character. What he basically says is, you will do anything to maintain power. And when someone shows me that they are that devious. I cannot in good conscience say when this person gets into office, they'll be better than this person because to be honest, I don't know what this person will do if he has ultimate power because he's telling me that if he needs to commit genocide in a due state to, to stay in office, he will commit genocide. So based on the evidence in front of me, I generally don't know that Tinubu might, Hosibanjo might have been a better president than Tinubu. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, but people would say he is a vice president and, you know, his hands, as they would say, were tied or still tied. And the times um, when he acted as, acting, sorry, when he was the acting president, they're one of Buhari's um, numerous trips to the UK for health stops um, that Oshibanjo did well. And so if given the opportunity to be the president, he would do well. And what do you say to that? Well, it's, it's an argument that even I have sort of made in the past, but I've thought about it a few times. And as I said, I'm trying to be more intellectually honest, yeah. even with myself these days. And the only evidence I've, I've been able to reach from his behavior is that this man clearly knows what is right, mm -hmm. but if it inconveniences him, him in any way, he will not do what is right. He will only do right if it is not an inconvenience. So he knows Buhari is bad, says nothing, but if Buhari goes away, he tries to do good. Well, that tells me that his character is shifty. So if he becomes president and he's now told that, look, you're going to lose the election unless you go to Imo State and sanction the killing of people, everybody in Oweri, his character tells me that the prof will say, well, if we have to kill them, then go ahead and do so. So that's all he tells me. The only evidence I've concluded from that is that this man knows what is right, but has chosen to, to sign up to illegality because he hopes to, to gain power. Going on to the Tinubu candidacy, um, do you think that his emergence was, you know, largely from the, the, the video that came out you know, where he was... I don't know if it was boasting or really angry that the likes of Buhari were standing in his way. Do you think, I mean, the people that he said he, he put in power and also the, I think it was your good state government that was there. Who, um, do you think that played uh, a part in his emergence? I'll say yes and no. Okay. I'll, I'll say yes in the sense that Tinubu was basically signaling to Buhari and his group that, look, I'm not going to take this thing lying down. Mm. So if you're planning to scheme me out of this thing, you've, you've picked the wrong person. So I'll say in that sense, yes, it helped because Buhari now realized that, okay, these games I've been playing with other people, I cannot play with this guy. This guy is determined to get a primary and I have to ensure that I do it for him. But I think what really helps Tinubu win is more than that. Tinubu obviously has illegally created this relationship with Lagos State government where through various consultancies, a huge proportion in the billions of Naira every month are uh, basically paid to him. And with that money, Tinubu has been able to buy the loyalty of many politicians across the country. And Tinubu is a good, a good criminal investor in that sense. So he's the kind of person that with the billions he's illegally getting, he distrib distributes it. If you're in Kano and something happens, he'll send you 10 million Naira. If something happens in Katsina, he'll send them 50 million Naira. So he's been able to use that money to cultivate relationships 
over the years. So that, that more than anything, is what helped him get the ticket. So what do you think are his chances? I mean, I'm shocked well, that there are actually people, uh, I don't know, but what do you think are his chances? Let me <laughs> step away from Adam Well, it, it's a debate I've had with a few of my friends. I have a, I have a good friend who thinks Tinubu cannot win. My friend is convinced that there is no path to victory for Tinubu. He thinks that Tiku is going to win this election. And this friend of mine is not a Tiku supporter. He's, he's Peter Obi supporter. But he says there's no way Tinubu can win, that Tiku is going to win. Mm. My view is it. I, I, I think he can win because I think he will do well in the Southwest because that's sort of his home zone. Mm. Then in addition to that, if you notice, a, a number of the northern governors were the ones that pushed and told Buhari that, look, the next president must come from the south. So I think even the northern governors have an interest in Tinubu winning because if Atiku wins, Atiku is a northerner. Atiku is quite an influential and powerful northerner. So if Atiku wins, he will ignore many of these northern governors. They will have no say in talking to the president. On the other hand, if a southerner, Tinubu wins, those northern governors can be a northern cabal and be going to Tinubu and say, look, this is what the people want in the north. So they can, they will have more, I think they'll have more access to Tinubu than they will to Atiku. And based on that calculation, I think many of them will work hard to help Tinubu get good votes in the north. And then with Tinubu's votes in the south, I, I, I think if he plays his cards right, I, I think he can win. Aside the southwest, you think he can get votes in the south itself? Yes, it depends how he plays the game. Because okay. truth, truth be told, there is genuine ill feeling in the country. A lot of Southerners are saying, look, the next president should be a Southerner, not a Northerner. So what Tinibu needs to do is he needs to project in his campaign team that he's not just going to be a Yoruba candidate, that if he's representing the South and he's going to make sure everywhere in the South has a say in his campaign. So if he picks the right, brings the right Southerners on board, like he's reached out to Fabio, maybe reached out to uh, Oshomole and bring bring on board a few Southern faces. So they, so if, if Southerners can see that, okay, this man is running a coalition, then I think he might get votes in the South. So I... I... I, I, I don't know how he's going to do that, especially in the Southeast. Um, but, look at, but looking at it, I don't know if this will be objectively or subjectively. What, do you think anything good can come from a Tinubu presidency? I mean, it, this is not, I don't know, it's not being prophetic, but I want to be as objective as possible. I don't know. I, I personally, my personal thoughts about you know, 2015 and 2019 and the whole Buhari thing, I honestly thought it would have been worse than this. I mean, having seen Buhari's antecedents in his history and far even how he got into power, I never expected things to be any better. And I don't want to, I don't just want to be optimistic for the sake of it. I want to be realistic. Do you think anything good can come from, I mean, who is actually not healthy? How would he 
govern a country like Nigeria? How would it be any different from Buhari? Well, I think the first step is, as, as you rightly said, Tinubu is old. And I think it's, it's going to be very similar to a Buhari president where there'll be, he'll, the government will be run by a group of people around him. So I think the, the first question to ask then is, who are the people that are going to be in his inner caucus? So when you think of the likes of maybe uh, doing Salami, for example, who is by all accounts is a liberal economist and believes in free markets and free trade. My guess is, from, the, from what I know of Tinubu as well, Tinubu is pro-business. All this stuff he's doing with Buhari, to a large extent, is just because he wants power. Mm-hmm. So I think in, the, in, the, in terms of business, I think the economy will be slightly better, but there will be a lot of corruption because Tinubu operates like a Chicago mafia boss. He, they'll want a slice of every business. There'll be a lot of wheeler dealing monopoly type relationship so i think i think economy wise nigeria will be slightly better mm-hmm. but there will be a lot of a lot of corruption what of security wise it depends okay. i think i think i think yes by if 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 i was being honest i think tribu knows what to do or the, he is, is, is reasonably well exposed to know how to tackle the insecurity problem uh, facing the country. The, the real challenge is if people in his party begin to push back, what would he do? But I, I, I'll say 50, I'm in two minds. On the one hand, I can see how, let me tell you the truth, any, any, even a five-year-old, will probably do better in terms of improving security than what Buhari has done, because Buhari has basically done nothing. You think so? so? <laughs> yes. So at least, even Tinubu just giving an instruction to his chief of army staff or IG or police to say, look, secure this road will be an improvement. So I think I think he, he will do better than Buhari uh, security-wise, but whether it will get to the standard where we need, because really, what Nigeria needs is state police and devolved policing. I know Tinubu has always been pro-restructuring, but or he said is pro-restructuring, but I, I don't get the impression that he will devolve policing. So things might improve, but they, I don't think they'll be as significant as they should be. But then again, I, my prediction might be wrong. Tinubu might actually decide to restructure, but I'm, I'm not so sure. Would that, would that be um, just a, a decision of the president? I thought it would be more of including the lawmakers and all that, because it's I mean, is it something he can do just from an executive order? No, no, you need, you need the involvement of the lawmakers. But mm-hmm. as with all democracies in the world, when you come to power as a president, you make you present executive bills yeah. and you work with your own party's legislators to say, look, this is our legislative agenda. Number one of the agenda is we want to devolve policing. So the president's office should present the bill. You present the draft bill. That this is what we want the law to be. And then you get your legislators together, you get the chief whip and say, we need to get this bill passed so that it becomes an act. So, so yes, he has to work with the legislature, but it's the job of the president to, to lead, which is one of the reasons why I was so annoyed with Buhari, because Buhari would say, oh, 
if people want uh, restructuring, is a matter for the legislature. And I said, no, you're the leader. You yeah. present the restructuring bill and you push it through the legislature. That's what countries do. Yeah. But yes, so. So what of an article um, in, in that light? How, do you, how would you see an article in terms of the economy security? And do you think um, he would be any different from either Itinabo or what do you think he would sort of work on? Well, Atiku too has said he will restructure, and I, I don't want to say I believe him, but I also want to say I don't believe him because yeah. with these policies you can't you can't really tell. But mm. what I do know is Atiku has a track record of hiring competent people to get the job done, so. I think an Atiku presidency will still be very, very corrupt. There'll be corruption. There'll be all kinds of mess. But I think in terms of security, I think I, I think Atiku will do a better job because Atiku hires competent professionals to, to, to get things done. I mean, it, people would say that's one of the reasons why um, a lot of them are against the Peter Obi um, in terms of the corruption that there would be less opportunity to steal. Do you think there's a merit in that argument? Well, yes. No, in many respects, I I like Peter B because I think I see myself in in him. So yes, Peter B is the kind of person that doesn't like money being wasted. It's not his money; it's government money. But there's something that irritates him about mm-hmm. the way government money is being wasted. He thinks you do things properly. He's a self-made billionaire. So he thinks the Nigerian government should run efficiently. But the problem is, like you said, the political elite mm-hmm. are used to feeding off the country. So anyone who's going to come there and say he wants to do things differently is obviously a threat yeah. to their, their, their source of livelihood. But do you think he's got any chances? Well... I'd say yes and no. Okay. It depends. I think winning an election in Nigeria is sort of like entrepreneurship, it's like running a startup. Uh, I think the party should probably have been created from scratch, maybe a few years before. And then they should have done a full grassroots build-up to this election. My concern is seven months might be too early mm. but at the end of the day the point of politics is not to win elections mm. the, the purpose behind politics is to change the way or change the way society functions so if i repeat i'll be i won't necessarily aim to be president but at least if, if you kickstart a movement that grows the party to the point where maybe in the next five, 10 years, the party is winning legislative seats, winning governorship elections, and generally changing the mindsets of Nigerians, then I'll say he has won because he doesn't, there are many people who've never been president, but have been able to influence the thinking of people. Martin Luther King, for example, never held any political opposition, but he's been influential in changing the view on, on, on race relations. So. I think Peter B can be that kind of figure who necessarily doesn't necessarily become president, but changes the conversation about what Nigerians expect of their government. And if he can achieve that, then he has won.
to who's your money on? Well, my view is that I think the APC will win. I can see the arguments my friend is making that PDP, he thinks, he thinks that Tiku is going to win this thing. But I think the APC has so much interest in maintaining power that they would do whatever they need to do to win. So I think I might be wrong because I'm just guessing, but I think the APC will win. Obviously, my prediction might be right or wrong, but yeah. time will tell. But, but at this stage, I'm not so... Uh, I, I think APC will win. But I'm, I'll be, I'll be glad, I'll be happy to be proven wrong. But I, I don't think PDB can win. I mean, I, I, um, I, I see that you're sort of more optimistic about the Tinubu presidency than I am, and that's a good thing. I mean, if there are people in Nigeria who, who are optimistic and hopeful, then me, I'm, I'm very happy about that. But I don't know. I really, I really don't know. No, no. The, I, Tinubu is a, is a horrible man, but to an extent, you, you can see that in, in Lagos, despite his misgovernance of Lagos, people are just doing business and living their lives. The problem with Buhari is Buhari has just sucked out hope yeah. from Nigerians. And Tinubu is not an extremist like Buhari, so Tinubu will be chopping money, but Tinubu is not interested in sucking out hope from people. What Tinubu will be wanting instead is saying, okay, you people are doing tech. I hear techs are now making $1 billion. Okay, where's that company that made $1 billion? I need a share in that company. Mm. So that's Tinubu's approach. Tinubu is not going to be saying, we want to ban Twitter, ban one thing. He'll be saying, look, I want to share of this business. So in that sense, there will be corruption, but people will be free to do their business and make their money. Just that obviously he might shake you down, but... Mm -hmm people would be doing their thing. But I mean, also, it's, it's, I don't know. It seems people are not even paying attention to state elections. I mean, again, because there's a lot of power in Abuja, so everyone is focused on, you know, the presidency. But don't you think also the governors, you know, the state assemblies, even the federal assemblies, um, the people who are there would also play a large role, um, a large part in you know, you know that, and also people should be paying attention to them. No, I agree. I agree. I think a lot of uh, state governors are hopeless, hmm. and people need to. Sorry, you're not taking example, a, like you're, you're, you're not taking a, you're not taking a, a jive at the one in Imo State, right? Because his name is Hope. <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> so, who, yeah, hope the Supreme Court governor in particular. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He he needs to go. Hmm. The one in Oakland State, for example, this is somebody who is, has been documented of being a fraudster in America. So I don't understand how, and this is my point, hmm. a documented fraudster in America who should not even have been on the ballot. Yet, his number one supporter is the vice president, Oshibanjo, who's supposed to be a professor of law. Hmm is his key ally. And that's why the, the governor supported Doshibanjo's candidacy. So that's one of the reasons why I was saying uh, I, I'm not so sure about the character of this uh, vice president professor. But So that one should not be in government house. You have Nasir Rufai. Anyway, thank God he's leaving. 
but you don't want governors like him whose specialty, specialty is spreading ethnic hatred and religious uh, division. You have the, the one in uh, Kogi State. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they call him Ha 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 Bellum, that <laughs> one. <laughs> I mean, only God knows who is going to succeed him. Yeah. You have the, the, the one in Akwai Bomb that seems to be, I mean, not quite, quite uh, Cross River, that seems to be suffering from some sort of... Uh, Ayade, Ben Ayade. Yeah. Yes, Ben Ayade. He also like, ran for president or something in primaries. I, you know what I mean? Like a literal lunatic leaving government house wanting to go to... So there's so many of them that, quite frankly, should be... Uh, mm. should, should not be anywhere near power. So I'm, I'm just hoping that... Obviously, I, I live abroad, so... Yeah it's for Nigerians in Nigeria to make sure that you are voting in your interest because there's a lot of political agents. Some of them are, they mask themselves as tech leaders. Some say they are political consultants, but they are basically pursuing their own agendas. Mm. So they will tell you that Tinubu is the man. And the only reason why they want Tinubu is maybe Tinubu has promised them an appointment, not because Tinubu is good for Nigeria. So you need to ask yourself before you vote that. Am I voting for this man because uh, Michael told me? Or am I voting for him because he will actually be good for me? So you need to understand what your interest is and make sure you're voting because of your own interests, not because some overlord or some tech leader told you to vote that way. But Arafai seems to be, I mean, based on what I watched him say on channels was the last night, I don't know if he seems to be pushing for the VP slot. Well, yes, no, Elrify, as I said, in, in general, I think there are two types of politicians. Mm. There are some politicians who genuinely are in politics because they want to make things better. Yeah. So those kinds of people, I'll say 80% of the time, they put the interest of the people first. They genuinely care about the people. Then there's another group of politicians who don't even have an opinion on anything. Their only interest is themselves. Nasir El-Rufai is that kind of person. All he thinks about is what is good for him. So he thinks a Muslim-Muslim ticket is his way to get the presidency. El-Rufai will support a Muslim-Muslim ticket. So he's that kind of person. So to be honest, I wouldn't take anything he says seriously because he has no principles whatsoever. Wow. Okay, so going forward, we've got just a year of Buhari. Um, of course, we don't expect a lot from him, but you at least think he's going to do something. Well, I mean, as I said I before, I mean, sorry, the I don't know. Maybe the best he could do is to ensure that the elections are free and fair, whatever that means. As I said before, I these days I try to make decisions based on information in front of me. Mm. Now, you remember when Buhari first came into office, he just sat there for over six months. Yeah. He didn't appoint a cabinet. cabinet yeah. And all kinds of professors and politicians were coming out explaining how this thing makes sense. They were saying, oh, Buhari is a genius, that he's working on some secret plan, that don't you worry, the president knows what he's doing. And then he announced the cabinet six after almost six months. And people just thought, is this what is this why you were wasting our time? 
and these these have been the worst set of ministers in the history of the country. Mm. I'll give you another example. Even when it was time for this APC primaries, Buhari sat there, they were asking him for months, like, who is your preferred successor? Tell us so that we can go and make it happen. Buhari just kept quiet and said nothing. And I was telling people that, look, even Obasanjo, who had a preferred successor, at least three months before the primaries, Obasanjo had identified his successor, which gave his men enough time to work through the primaries to ensure that that successor won. Buhari didn't do that. Buhari just sat there. And I was asking people that, look, how is this plan sensible? People said, no, no, no. Buhari is a genius. Buhari is working out a strategy to remove Tinubu, that this silence is part of the plan. Hmm. And guess what happened? A day to the primary, we all realized that Buhari did not want Tinubu, but Buhari, because he didn't tell anybody on time, hmm. it was too late for, for Tinubu to be stopped. Now, the reason why I'm telling this story is the summary is a man cannot give what he doesn't have. There is nothing Buhari is going to do in one year that he has not been able to do in the past seven years. So I'm reasonably sure that Nigeria is just going to coast until 2023. There's the, the, Buhari doesn't have it in him to do anything. So there's, there's no, as Nigerians would say, there is no magic that he can perform in the next one year, even free and free elections. Buhari cannot. It's, it's not in his... I mean... INEC is already, we're already seeing delays with yeah. vote, uh, PVC issuance. That in itself is already a hint, is already an obstacle to free and fair elections. So I can tell you already, the elections are not free and fair. If Igbos in Lagos are being deprived uh, PVC, of their PVC, so he, he can't, there's no free and fair election to be, to be delivered. Well, we'll wait and see how, how all this pan out. Um, but in the end, you, you strongly believe APC would would come back. I think they're going to rig themselves back in either by hook or by crook. Like I said, there's, they're already working to, they know that most of the people who would vote for the PDP are likely to be Southeasterners, South, South, South yeah. Southerners. That's why it's in their areas where they're telling you that the, the card machines are not working or the machines for giving PVCs are working. But up North and in the Southwest where or in the areas that are Tinubu strongholds, people are getting their, their cards. So that tells you already that these, these guys are not here to play. They've looted the treasury. They've looted the central bank. So why would they leave office? Nobody wants to go to jail. All right. Let's wait and see. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate um, talking to you and hearing your viewpoints. Thank you, Manuel. Thank you for having me. <laughs>